Today we're doing some new things. We are launching our new set of Sunday School Bible study classes right after church. You're going to want to be a part of it because God speaks to us and speaks to us through his word. Today we're looking at sort of a new series as our church has been going through this process of revitalization, coming back to life, seeing new works of God. We're looking at a time in the history of the people of God where they were putting things back together. They were a time when they are moving towards um, seeing uh, the temple rebuilt, the worship reestablished after what was known as the Babylonian exile. And God had some specific words for the people to get them ready. Today, let's pray. Let's pray before we have our, our sermon because I want us to prepare our hearts. God, what do you want to say to us? Let's pray. Father, as we look into your word, we ask that you would speak. Speak to our hearts. Teach us your ways. As we sang in the song, the ways that are taught by your son that bring hope and peace to the world, that bring salvation, that bring new life. Lord, we're desperately, we desperately need you to move. So we're praying and we're asking you to speak. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, today, uh, the, the sermon is entitled, Consider Your Ways. It comes from the book of Haggai. Now you're thinking, Haggai, I don't think I've heard of that one. Um, it's one of the small books in the Old Testament, called, in a set called the Minor Prophets sometimes. In the book of Haggai, God is speaking in some specific ways to the people about, well, some challenging circumstances. You know that circumstances come up. You know that problems come up. You know that there's always something that gets in the way. I think that it's usually um, when I'm running late, that's when I discover construction. Anybody see that on the roads, right? It's always when you're trying to get somewhere fast and all of a sudden you didn't know what was happening, but there was construction in the road. There's Okay, this is outside my house. The guys were out there paint, spray painting. Anybody know what these little, these little uh, markers are? The blue is water, the yellow is electricity, green. The guy was explaining it to me. I did. Rich Brown's over there. Yeah, I know what this means. Thank you, Rich. Rich is like, yeah, I got educated this week. I, this guy's out there spray painting. I'm like, hey, can I, can I spray my name? He's like, no. But uh, they, 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 they had specific codes. They had specific, they're marking all of the power lines, the, the gas lines, the, uh, I think yellow is gas. Is that right? Am I right? Okay, yellow is gas. That's what they're, they're going to put into. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're digging up the street. And I'm like. Oh, something, okay, I got I to gotta make some preparations here. Where am I going to park my car? I need to leave extra time to leave in the morning. I need to know that there's going to be some day that I'm going to get up and all of a sudden my car is going to be blocked in if I'm not prepared, right? Because our city workers, our county workers, they're making preparations. They're getting ready for their work. They've got a plan. They're not going to show up without their supplies. They're not going to show up without the backhoe or whatever else they're going to use to, to get. Uh, you've got to make preparations. Big projects require significant preparation. Big projects require significant preparation. And the people of God were going through a time that required some preparation. Some of that was materials, but some, most of that preparation, to be honest with you, was heart preparation. 
Today, we're going to talk about our hearts. And are we prepared for the work that God is wanting to do among us in the next several months? Look at Haggai chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It just says, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord. This is the word from God. It came through the prophet Haggai. To Serubabel, what? The son of Sheatiel, he was the governor of Judah, and Joshua, son of Zodak, the the high priest. Who were Zerubbabel? Who were Joshua? These were leaders among the people. The, the, The governor, the one who organized the people, the made sure the taxes were paid, the person that was in charge of the public works, but also the high priest. This was a spiritual time and a spiritual moment, but we need a little history here. If these names aren't familiar to you, if the overarching story of the Bible isn't quite familiar to you, let me sort of give you a glimpse of where we were at. The people of God had gotten into a very difficult time. They had stopped honoring God, and God began to send his people, his ones through whom he was making himself known to the world, he sent them into exile. And in 586 B.C., the Babylonian Empire came, and this was the third time they'd come, and they finally deported most of the rest of the people. They destroyed the capital city of Jerusalem, the magnificent temple that had been built to honor God. They leveled it. It was destroyed. All the gold, all the silver, all the instruments, all the things used for the worship of God, gone. And all the young people were gone. That's a little scary. (laughs) But they began to take people and draft them, enslave them, pull them into uh, another land, lands that were not their own. They separated families. They separated people. It was a terrible time, and the people of God were in great crisis. Well, God had predicted and foretold through the prophets that that would only last 70 years. Well, the Babylonian Empire really kind of only lasted about that long. The Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar was great. They conquered the Assyrians at the Battle of Carchemish. They knocked out Egypt as a world power. They were amazing under Nebuchadnezzar. But his successors, they weren't such great kings. And the power of that empire began to wane. And eventually, the Medes and the Persians came and took over. In some places, almost without a fight, people were like, whew, yeah, the Babylonians don't know what they're doing. Sure, Medes and Persians take over. Um, And the Medes and the Persians walked in, and Cyrus the Great said, you know what? I'm going with a different approach. Instead of deporting all of the people from their homelands, instead of mixing up all the people to create instability so that there would be no rebellion, I'm going to go with a more gracious leadership. Everybody can go home. People can return to their homelands. People can return and build temples to their gods and worship. Just make sure you pray for me as the king. I think that's a better plan. Everybody like that? And a lot of the people did. And in fulfillment to God's prophecies, Cyrus the Great allowed the people to return home and begin rebuilding their temples and rebuilding their homes and rebuilding their lands. And so we see in 539 to 538, we see this idea that the Persians under Cyrus let the people return home. And in 536 BC, the construction of the temple had begun. It began under the leadership of Zerubbabel and Joshua. Now, in the Bible, we can see this in the book of Ezra. I know you're having to stick with me. It's a lot of lecture. By the way, I'm about to start teach Old Testament again uh, at Stevenson University, so I'm kind of pre-doing some of my lectures here. I hope you're excited about it. I'm excited about it. Maybe you are too. All right. So, back to the book of Ezra. 
That's where we see the history. And here's what it says in Ezra chapter 3 verse 8. In the second year, the second month, the year after their arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, right, he's that uh, governor, and Joshua, the high priest, and the rest of the people, they began building the house of the Lord. What's the house of the Lord? The temple. They got back, they started construction, they laid the foundation. There was great celebration. The people were excited. Many of them had returned home. Some of them chose to stay. In fact, if you want one of the Bible studies, Rachel and Vicki are leading one on Esther. That's going to be on people who chose to stay. But those who came home started rebuilding and they were excited. But there was a problem. The construction actually didn't go on very long before the surrounding neighborhood people were saying, we don't necessarily want the Jewish people to restore their temple. We don't want them to, to kind of rebuild their city. We don't want them to come back to power. And when a new king came to power in the Medes and Persians, they began to use some political, in, political manipulation to get the work stopped. And all of a sudden, we see that that temple that had been started and the foundation laid in 534 B.C., was halted under King Artaxerxes. Verse 24 in, in Ezra chapter 4, Thus the work on the, Lord, on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Oh no, what had happened? The temple stopped. Their hopes seemed to be dashed against the rocks. The emperor said, no, you can't rebuild this temple. Stop what you're doing. Everybody go back to your homes. Everybody just focus on getting your crops grown and make sure you're paying your taxes. That's what we're going to do. Pay those taxes. That's what you should be focused on. And the people of God were discouraged. God raised up a prophet, this prophet Haggai, to say, no, guys, go back to work. Get back to work on the temple and let God take care of some things. Now, it's really interesting. You can go back and read in Ezra, and I, I would encourage you to do so on your own. Read the book of Ezra, chapter 5 and chapter 6. All of a sudden, we see some interesting things. In 520 B.C., Haggai begins to encourage the people, and they say, okay, we're going to get started on the building the house. They've got an imperial edict not to continue, but they were rebuilding anyways. And the surrounding peoples wrote letters to the king, and the people wrote letters to the Jewish people who were rebuilding the temple, wrote letters saying, no, King Cyrus initially told us to do this. And through some political intrigue, through some movement of God, through some, through some divine providence and some laws on the books that said that no law of a king could ever be overturned, they were at, the lawyers came into the play here, and they actually got to rebuild the temple. God used the lawyers. <laughs> lawyers are back there going, yes. God used the lawyers to actually figure out that, no, 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 the second king can't overrule the first king's rule, so we got to go back to the first king's rule. And by the time the people were allowed to continue building the, 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 the temple, and by 516, the construction of the temple was completed. Um, so the work resumed under, the, under Haggai and under the leadership of these guys. And by 516, the temple construction was completed. Look at verse 14 of Ezra chapter 6. So the elders of the Jews continued to build and to prosper under the preaching of Haggai, the prophet, of, and Zechariah, a descendant of Edo. They finished building the temple according to the command of God. 
Can I stop us right there for a second and give us a point? I think there's a spiritual truth here. I think there's something that every family here needs to know. I think that every young person needs to hear. I think that everyone who's been in church all their life needs to hear. Here's a truth. Are you ready? We need to hear from God. We need to hear God's word consistently. God has given us in the church teachers and pastors and prophets. He's given us resources, study Bibles and websites and all kinds of things, but we need to consistently hear from God's word. Now, there's a lot of things we can watch. I mean, we've got the news, we've got entertainment, we got, but we need to hear from God. The people, it says, prospered under the preaching of the prophets like Haggai and Zechariah, leaders like Joshua and Zerubbabel. They needed to hear the word of the Lord. The people, all of the elders, all of the leadership needed to hear the word of the Lord. We've got to have it in our lives. We don't know what's going on with all the political intrigue in this country and around the world. We don't know what the solutions are for global warmings and all. We're trying our best. Our scientists are doing their best. But we need words from God. We need to hear from him. And so for you as old people, young people, middle-aged people, wherever you are on the spectrum, Are we part of churches? Are we part of places? Are we allowing God's word to be in our lives through teachers who know his word and through who are encouraging us all to know God better? We need to be connected to God's word. The people flourished under the preaching of Haggai, the prophet. Well, so how did Haggai actually help? How did the preaching of Haggai actually cause the people to flourish? How did he help them when the building had stopped the construction? And that's maybe like an imaginary the way it looks. You know, I wasn't actually there. I didn't actually catch a snapshot or anything. Um, but how did Haggai get them to move forward? Well, the first thing Haggai did was he challenged the people's priorities. He had them evaluate their ways and see that what they were valuing, what they were considering most important, what they considered the perspective of the day was actually wrong. They were missing God's priorities. He challenged the people's priorities and their perspectives. Look at Haggai chapter 1 verse 2. Haggai reported the words of God to the people, and he says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. The time has not yet come for us to finish the work. Oh yeah, we got it started, but then we dropped off. We didn't quite get that project done. We, we didn't quite finish that, 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 that home improvement thing. This building of God's house, yeah, we put it on hold. You, you guys do that, right? You get, you get inspired by something. I'm all, I mentioned this summer that I was doing a remodeling on my house, put a little, little new windows in. They're almost done. I, and I know it's been nine months, but they are almost, we do this, they, but they are closer than they were. I mean, it, we're, we're down to a few more steps, but, but the, I mean, I'm thinking two more weeks. I'm really hoping. Okay. They're, the people, they had real legitimate reasons, though, for stopping the work, right? That imperial edict, you remember? Well, I'm not wondering about you, but once they got distracted, I could see why they stopped. 
right? Because here they were, they had moved back to their homelands. Many of them had never even been there before. They'd been gone for 70 years. Many, a whole generation had not been there. They've got to get the farms up and running. They had to rebuild their homes. Look, look at this. There, there was a lot of things. They had to restart the whole economy. You, you can't just have farmers. You need tradesmen. You need people selling the goods and people having the seed. You had to have people who were blacksmiths, and you need people who were accountants and lawyers and doctors, and they've got to get the whole society up and running. Well, they also had to be involved in politics. We already heard how the surrounding peoples were against them. They had political opposition. They had cultural changes they were facing. And does anybody remember the schools? Aren't the schools the last things we've got to get to? We've got to educate our children. They had to get the schools up and running. And there was the immigration question. They had the surrounding peoples, people who had moved into their lands, and how were they going to deal? And were they going to intermarry? There had been intermarriages. They wanted to have a, a racial purity then. There were some things that were probably not from God, but you had some ideas that, that were, were coming into conflict of whose land is this anyway? And finally, they had to pay their taxes. Does anybody think this sounds like today? We've got to remodel our homes. We've got to restart the economy. We're facing all kinds of cultural and political questions. We've got to educate our children, people. It's got to be done. We've got to get our schools up and running. Uh, we've had so many challenges there. We've got to handle this immigration question. I mean, there was so many. I mean, what are we going to do? How is this world going to be a better place? And how is this nation going to be one where it is really truly a nation of promise for all people? And that we've got things we've got to address as a nation and we got to pay our taxes. we got to pay our taxes. Whew. I really do want to build the house of the Lord. I really want to see this church and revitalization happen. But honestly, some of it can wait, can it? We've got other things to do. We've got other priorities to make. And <clears throat> probably one of my uh, traits might be procrastination. Anybody, anybody there? There it is. I think that was a mission trip picture. Um, there I, I would say I found a hammock. It was pretty nice. It was like, I know I can get to it, but I can get to it later. Here's what the word of God says to the people in verse 3. Haggai chapter 1 verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in paneled houses while this house, the temple, remains a ruin? Oh, there you see it. There you see God confronting the people. You see, yes, they actually used this political entry. God could have provided. They could have kept working. They stopped for about 16 years. They quit working on the temple because, oh, well, there's opposition. I guess we'll have to give up. Was it something that they were crying out to God every day? Were they praying about every day? Were they working on every day? No. It became the excuse. The excuse to go back and focus on the things that they felt like were their lives, their personal things. And God is confronting them saying, look, you've got time. But time reveals our priorities. And time revealed that the priorities of the people of God was not the worship of God, was not the temple of God, was not their witness to the world. The priority of the people of God was, well, everything that was going on in their own lives their homes, their families. These are not bad things. These are responsibilities for, that God has given us. And yet, in the midst of that, 
we always have to make sure that we put time into what God has. So where is your time being invested? If you were to do a little, <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about, you make one of those little calendars. I had a mentor do that at one time in my life. He said, I want you to write down everything you do for a day. And I'm like, if you do that every day, you can keep up with it. If, like me, you procrastinate and try to do that at the end of the week, you'll never figure it out. But we all know the biggies. It's work. It's family. It's our finances. Some of us, it's fitness. Um, that may not be me. Um, and some of us, it's our entertainment. You know where you put your time. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. We're the ones that are concerned with, oh no, is my, are my retirement funds invested in the right place? I've got to make sure I'm checking that and watching the stock market. We're the ones that are worried about, oh, have I found the right job? Do I need to reply for something else? We're the ones that are saying, oh gosh, I, I don't know if I'm going to pass this test. I've got to study and study and study and study until it's overwhelming. God says this. Jesus goes on to say, but instead seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom of God. Haggai explained and exposed the fact that their priorities, well, they weren't wrong, but they left out the priority of seeking first God. They left out the prioritizing of his kingdom of his people. I don't know if you all do this. I, I was <clears throat> also in music school. Drew, Drew, Drew is, and I've had this conversation, who teaches. I was in music school. I didn't do a good job with something. I was taking piano. I did piano. You see, I always found ways to not practice. There was always that, you know, that moment when I was able to kind of say, well, <clears throat> Yeah, I know it's okay. I'm supposed to practice today. I would, I would get it warmed up, and I was like, oh, I need to run to the restroom. And then I'd come back, and okay, practice a little bit. Oh, if I just had a snack. Anybody just need a snack? I just need a snack during practice time. And I have to run and get a snack. Oh, I don't think the dog has water. That, that's important. It's a warm day. I've got to go make sure I... I Seek first the kingdom. I didn't set aside real time to practice. I didn't set aside to devote myself. Now, it wasn't like I was going to practice. I needed to do those other things. I needed to eat. The dog needed to have water. Um, certainly, I got to go to the restroom. Sometimes. All of these things, do my homework, all of these things are important. But we need to set aside a time that says this is time that's devoted to God, to knowing his word, to building his kingdom. Well, the Lord was using the circumstances of the day to get the people's attention. That's the second thing Haggai did. He explained the people's experience because here's what happened. Look in verse 5. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Now listen closely because I'm going to read this quickly. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but you never have your fill. You put on clothes but you're not warm. You earn wages, but only to have it put in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountain. 
bring down temper, build my house, the temple, so that I might take pleasure in it and be honored. You've expected much, verse 9, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy in your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains and on the grain and new wine, the olive oil and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock, on all the labor of your hands. It feels like you're just not getting anywhere fast. God was using the circumstances of the day to get the people's attention. They were working harder and harder, and they just weren't getting anywhere. My friend uh, was getting rid of his... Uh, one of those special bikes. It was a Peloton or something or some kind of Tron. It was, I mean, it was a nice one. One of those, like, you know what I'm talking about, the riding bikes. He was getting rid of it. He brought it over, and it was heavy. And we got it all the way down into my basement. And they told me, oh, yeah, by the way, you have to have a special uh, program with this one um, and pay monthly fee to make it work. Oh, by the way, I don't have the actual power cord for it, so you also have to find some kind of a power cord to make it work. Okay. I'm not getting very far on that one, right? Because right now it just doesn't work. I, 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 I tried to engineer something, but it's still not working. Hey, but my neighbor that saw us moving it in, he said, you're not going to get very far on that bike, are you? And I was thinking, ha, 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 yeah, because it's a stationary bike. And that was his joke. But the truth of the matter, without all the equipment, without all the right preparation, I'm not getting very far. Here's the truth. You're not experiencing joy in your life. You don't seem to have strength in your life. You don't have fulfillment in your life, fruitfulness, transformation. You seem to have no knowledge of God in your life. These are the very things that God has called us to. In Colossians 1, it says we continually ask God to fill you with what? The knowledge of his will, God's will for you. So through that wisdom and an understanding that the Spirit gives, you can have what? Look at verse 10. A life worthy of the Lord. Please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work knowledge of God, being strengthened with all his power and his glorious might, and then to have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to God the Father. You're running a bike of life where you're spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning, and you've got no joy, no strength, no knowledge of God, no true life transformation. Well, maybe because your priorities are only on your things and not on taking time to know God daily, to be part of the people of God, be part of his church, be part of what God is doing in the world, hearing from him daily. Isaiah 55 says this, So why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me, says the Lord, and eat what is good, so that you might delight in the richest affair. Well, Haggai concludes that part of his message, and it says what in, in, in verse 12? Well, that the remnant of people, the high priest, the governor, all of them obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the people feared the Lord. Verse 14 says, And that time on they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty their God, and on the 24th day, on the sixth month, it took them 24 days to figure out that they had to put priority on what God had for them. Some of you, you've kind of been living your own life. You've been doing your own thing. You have not put priority on God at all. Some of you, though, you're saying, 
Pastor Mike, I got to be honest. I've, I've been serving. I've been working. I've been pursuing the Lord. Both of us, I think God has this challenge. Jesus says this in John 15. I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it'll be even more fruitful. Today, if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't asked Jesus to forgive you for your sins, if you've never asked him to come into your life, then you're not even connected to the vine. You're like a branch that's broken off. It's just on its own. Today is your day to say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. I want to follow you. Many of you, though, are, are your believers, but all the things of the world have crowded God out. And you're just hearing that you've got to make room. You've got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But then maybe some of you, you've been seeking the Lord. You've been pursuing Jesus. You've really... But even for you, we need to put our lives in the line and say, Jesus, is there some place you want to prune? Is there some place you want to refine? Is there some place where you want to make me even more fruitful? Maybe just by saying, I, I'm going to join one of these Bible studies. I, I want to start pursuing God today. I, I want to know him more. Maybe it's by becoming part of this church. Maybe you're called to give your life to Jesus today. And say, Jesus, be my Savior. Change my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. We're going to sing one more song. And in this last song, maybe you want to make it a prayer. A prayer that says, Lord, you take my life. You, you lead me. I'm going to be at the front. Pastor Barry is going to be here too. If you need to make a decision and make it public or join this church or know more about following Jesus, you come on down. We'd love to speak with you during this time. I'm going to ask Drew and the worship band to come and lead us in this last song. As they do, as they're coming, I'm going to pray for us. You respond as God is calling you. Lord, we ask you to speak. You have spoken. Lord, change our hearts. Change our priorities. Keep us in line with your agenda that we might have lives that are fruitful, lives that are fulfilling, lives that bless this world with the good news and truth and love that you've given to us in Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.